Well, let me tell you something, brother. You're listening to the Four Corners Podcast. You're here with us today. You're here with Shad, Matt, Brad, brother. What do you think about that, brother? What you gonna do when Four Corners runs wild on your ears? That hurts my throat. That sounded (laughs) painful. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) You know, Shad, I... Chad, I propose that we rename this to the uh, <laughs> the Four Corners Experience. The Four oh Corners God. Experience. <laughs> we can dress as Vikings. <laughs> You're killing me. I'm going to die here. Oh, man. So, uh, good evening, everybody. We're glad you could join us. Uh, obviously, we've got some... We've got a little... Uh, Got a little spice about some stuff that's happened here recently, but uh, I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad, um, and you know we're gonna we're gonna have some fun tonight. Um, Matt, you're 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 sounding you're sounding unhappy. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess here we are, like about a, a week later after WrestleMania, and they're they're doing the big sh- superstar shakeup, as they call it. I guess we. we <laughs> We're not allowed to call it like a uh, draft. Like we can't. I guess they don't do the draft anymore. It's just the super shark shakeup. Yeah, because everything uh, has to be over, over like um, branded. Has to have now. a big name. Yeah, yeah. it has to. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So just based upon what's already happened, I'm kind of like not feeling. Not kind of not feeling it. They brought up a. They brought up War Machine, aka the War Raiders, uh, and they've dubbed them. The Viking experience, which is bad enough, but it's like okay, you want to give them, you want to na- change the name of the team, like fine, it's a really bad name, uh, but beyond that, it's like they they renamed them individually. They're like Eric and I think Ivar is, yeah, yeah, I I I don't the the, the individual names are terrible. Know. It's like really, but, I feel like the whole thing is terrible. I, the, if they just did the names. I would begrudgingly accept it because they're at least okay-ish names. Because I mean, like Hanson and Rose, not really, not really anything amazing to begin with. But I mean, the the, the Viking experience part really is terrible, though. Because I think even just calling them the Vikings would have been better. If no, I'm no, gonna... no, it's it's got to be, it's got to be uh, immigrant song, the ride in three D. There it is. Exactly. You know, sidebar. Um, there is. I don't know if you're aware of this. I there. Let me try and look it up on YouTube, really, if I can do it really quickly. There is a. Um, <coughs> there's a rock band that dresses like uh, Generation One Autobots. <laughs> Have you seen this? No. And they do covers of like '80s hair metal, and I guess '80s and '70s hair metal, and they do a cover of Immigration Song. That's that's amazing. They they have a really funny um, Star Wars themed name. Let me see if I can try and find it. You guys continue talking. Okay. So <clears throat> the um, well, we are uh, before we get too deep into it like last time. <laughs> oh, they're called. We better get our social media shout outs out there, right? They're called. They're called the Cybernetic Cybertronic Spree. <laughs> That's a great name. And they do covers, and they yeah they do a cover of the Touch. You've got the touch. Did yep. you? There was a. There was a. This is. This is going way back. But um, they are talking about 
cover bands on Opie and Anthony once, and Opie was talking mm-hmm. about that there was like a Doors cover band where they brought like the you know Jim Morrison guy out like passed out on a door and they just <laughs> dump him on the stage. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, let's get our social media stuff out there. We are on social media, and we would love to hear from you guys. Um, we've got three platforms that we use uh, <clears throat> that we uh, that we use regularly. I think Matt's got a handle on the first one. Uh, yeah, we we're on Twitters. <laughs> we are on the Twitter. Um, at podcast four corners has the capital P in podcast. The number four in corners podcast for at podcast four corners. See, I threw that to Matt first because Matt does a fantastic job running our Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, major props to him there. And he keeps us out of trouble, too. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I try to do funny, uh, funny comments sometimes, but nothing too inflammatory because uh, – I want to learn from the experiences of people like Dave Meltzer, who just gets in arguments with people. Don't you yeah. pretty much just have to state a basic fact to start a lot of heat on Twitter, like saying, hey, you know what? Water is wet. And then, yeah, then people will be like, I can't believe you said that. I feel well, bad for Dave, because Dave is actually like, in, he's a really nice person on, and like in real life. Like, he's yeah, very but, nice. But I think, it's, I think, but see, this is what I think happens. I think he does what William Shatner does. And I think what a lot of the older men on Twitter like to do is it's really low effort work to get like hours of laugh just to throw something out there and then laugh at like people losing their minds at you. Yeah, uh, I think you know, Bill Shatner definitely does that. Yeah, yeah, William Shatner is a master troll. Like uh, some of the yeah. stuff he says, people and people lose their mind. Like, you know, he's just laughing about this, like in the car. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Matt does a great job. Brad has uh, another big platform for us. Yep, on Facebook, you can like our Facebook page, which is Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four corners as a single word podcast. The nice thing about our Facebook page is that it's nice and easy to share with that grandma that enjoys wrestling with you, but that's the thing that the two of you bond with nobody else in the family gets. Send us to grandma. We'd love to hear what grandma thinks. <clears throat> okay and then uh we are also on instagram it is the number four corners podcast it's all mashed together because you can't have spaces on instagram uh i post all of our episodes on there and i'm trying to get better about posting just amusing pictures or something on there trying but um the other thing i gotta say <clears throat> is that uh we have uh we are an affiliate with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collar and Elbow uh, puts out really quality shirts. They come up with new designs every quarter. So, you know, it's not like you hit up W. They've had the same things. Better than a lot of WWE shops do, too. Uh, they come on very comfortable very good uh you know very good material um you know i've got a few brad's got a couple matt's got a few now uh i think i think matt's wife's even a fan now so um if you use the promo code the number four 
Corners, capital C and Corners podcast, capital P and podcast, no spaces. You can get 10% off your collar and elbow order. And then we have somebody else who maybe he did benefit from a name change, right, Matt? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, well, I, Epico used to be known as like one of the matadors, so. Right. Uh, he's doing a little better now. Um, hopefully he can find his way uh, to a good spot in the Superstar shakeup. Uh, but shout out to yes to Epico Cologne. Yes, we want to hear. We want to. We want to see Epico back on TV. Now, the um, content that we're going to be going into, we're going to have this uh, cool uh, point counterpoint. So Brad came up with the idea, so I'd like to let him introduce it. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a two-part series the next two weeks. What is going to happen is part one is going to be what did what does old wrestling do better than modern wrestling? And the next week we are going to come back with a rebuttal episode of what does modern wrestling do better than older wrestling? All right. <clears throat> So, tonight, we're going to talk about what old wrestling did better than modern stuff does. Now, you got to bear in mind, since we're going to be doing a counterpoint back and forth thing, this is not us just being like, oh, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the, uh, we're looking at, at, you know, oh, it was always better in the old stuff and that sort of thing. No, no, no. We're, we're going to, we have points on each side that we're going to talk about. And so um, I've got a few points, and and Brad, did you have a a couple points too? I think. Yeah, I have a couple points. Okay. I so, I wanted to add that I'm pretty sure, like, if we were all being honest, we're all more sympathetic to. I think we all default to the old wrestling is better. That's kind of why I wanted to do the counterpoint because I wanted to come back and really like um, really dissect what modern wrestling does do better because someone I think it was on pro wrestling only kind of talked about some of the things that you know really are better about modern wrestling and kind of made me think about it more and there's a lot of points I agree with when it comes to I think the positives of the current state of wrestling I am going to be uh, actually in the point where I think both of them are good they're just different um, mm -hmm. but the thing is that that with the older stuff, the things you remember are the things you really enjoyed. And with the newer stuff, you're, you're still taking in everything and getting to forget. You haven't yet forgotten about the stuff that really pissed you off. Hmm. So uh, I think it needs to be tempered just a little bit. And I think, I think modern wrestling gets a bad rap because WWE is such a dumpster fire. It can be, and they make what I feel a lot of times are – kind of like stupid errors they're unforced errors yeah yeah so I, I think yeah i think that's kind of where a lot of the the animus comes from yeah yeah the, the bad decisions that you weren't exactly against the clock on yeah okay. unless you're unless you're jim Cornette, where you think that all modern wrestling is just terrible unless you know i i don't think he thinks it all is, it all is but people send him bad stuff so often that to get him to lose his mind that uh that's that's all we hear about he's out of yeah. touch 
because I mean his his stint with Ring of Honor proved that. But he, um, I just find it ironic that he talks that way about modern wrestling when a lot of what he says about like the Young Bucks guys were probably saying about the Midnight Express in their day. Yeah, perhaps. So do you want to hit the first point, Shad? I had a couple of points. Why don't you go ahead and uh, put... Well, I've got like five of them, so I was going to let you put the first one out there. So I think think one of the things um, that the older stuff tends to have over the current stuff is guys are protected a lot better, and I think guys have... It's kind of a dual thing. Guys are protected better, and I think um, their motivations are better in general. Okay. For the older stuff. Yeah. So protected, you mean multiple ways, like physically and just... I think, like, if you watch if you watch a TV show... To where their character is, like, they're, they're booking. I, yeah, like, they're, they're protected better in the booking. Like, I think if you watch, like, a year of TV in, like, the 80s, you're probably not going to see a guy take a loss. Or if you do, it's going to be, like, through some wankery in, like, a main mm. event. And like with, with like comparatively like to WWE, they don't just like throw a guy out there to have something stupid like that makes them look dumb. Either. Okay. <clears throat> so what what we have? You're you're saying guys who are getting pushed because obviously like job guys or enhancement talent, as McFoley likes to call them. Obviously, they're taking losses, right? Well, I mean, there's there's um there is a variety of job guys though on the old shows because there's a hierarchy because you have like your job guys that just get their ass beat, but then you have like your job guys that get offense in and even pick up, you know, wins here and there. Before we go forward, I do want to ask a question for the benefit of our viewers. Where are we kind of putting the line between old and new stuff? Um, I'm going to say the Attitude Era. Is the Attitude Era old or new? That's new. Okay. All when, right. Um, Fair enough. When um, when feature when feature level bouts became the norm on TV, I consider that modern because okay, that's when the dynamic hmm. of how it was presented on TV changed. Okay, I think that's a fair point. I think that's fair. Um, <clears throat> I, I see what you mean about some of the the enhancement talent or job guy stuff. Like even <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm going to be working on a Jim Cornette Jim Cornette cough all night. Uh, even like early mid '90s stuff. Um, you would have guys who would move into the limelight and then kind of back out like the difference between uh for example uh steven regal william regal he would he held the television title for a while and then he backed off and maybe you know from that he was he went into an enhancement role for a while and then he went back into a winning role but it wasn't like that he never um you never uh, it, it it wasn't like he was buried because he had an opportunity to kind of build back up, but it there was also no question about if somebody beat him. Yeah, totally. But usually, too, you would 
if you weren't getting pushed but you were still a name guy, you would kind of tread water just beating job guys but having to roll angles around you too. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so seeing um, seeing guys more protected, this actually, I'm going to say, feeds into, I'm going to use this to feed this into a uh, one of my points, which is kind of a more inside baseball term, in that <clears throat> older stuff, you had guys, <clears throat> in comparison to today, Sometimes it can be really, really questionable about how much can you trust who you're working with? What are they going to do? And it seems to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase it that way, that with a lot of older stuff, you had, um, you had less fear and more trust between the guys for the most part. Now, there, there's some other stuff that plays into that that I'll get into in the next episode. But the fact that it's like, uh, you know, most people are working a pretty similar style. You can, you can be pretty sure that whatever you're working with, this guy knows what he's doing. He's not going to try and kill you by trying to, to do the new uh, pedigree version of a Canadian destroyer or something. Um, and so you, you had these guys who... Yes, they could do stuff that was still like tough to watch, but they knew where each other was coming from, right? Um, Waddy Caldwell and what's-his-name in Tennessee had a string for years of just god-awful Tennessee chain matches. And when I say god-awful, I don't mean they were bad matches. I mean, they were rough. But these guys knew each other, and they knew what the other guy was doing and what they were capable of. And so <clears throat> they were able to trust each other and they weren't afraid that the other guy was going to hurt them from being careless or stupid. Uh, and and so whenever they wanted to push just a little bit further, they knew the other guy was going with them. Does that make any sense to anyone other than me? No, I get what it, you're saying. Yeah, it does make sense. But are you if you're kind of comparing that to the modern or new newish product, are we? Are you including like WWE in that, or are you focusing more like on the indies? Because I can. I can definitely see, like, on. It's like, you may not know the. At least right now, like, currently, like, the last few years, you're seeing what's kind of almost like it, it to the extent that it can be because things aren't quite as regional as they were back in the day. You're kind of seeing the rebirth of the territories. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, kind of on like a. a if not a global scale, then at least like a, a national scale, because it's not PWG, for example, is in California. But, you know, I'm here on the East Coast. I can buy PWG uh, right. on, on demand or I can buy DVDs and watch it like almost as soon as it comes out. Or there's sh so many shows that come out. You can watch it on like Fight TV or something like that. So we don't really have, you know, quote unquote regions. It's, it's territories, regional territories in the sense that if you want to go to see those shows live, it's easier if you live in that area, they run in yeah. that area. But, um, I can certainly see that because there are guys that are big names who travel like kind of all throughout, but otherwise it's probably just guys in your local area. And you may not know who, you may not know who they are. They may have had like five matches and then they come to you 
if you're a worker and are like, yeah, so I'm gonna my finish is gonna be a, a Canadian destroyer onto a table that's lit on fire, and it's like, no, I don't know you. No, that's um, not and, going to happen. Yeah. And if you actually listen to like our the interview that we guys did, that all of us did with Alex Angel, he kind of, I think he kind of touched upon that where it's like he said, oh, I'll I'll try anything. I can be convinced to do anything like right before the match, but yeah, it's also like. Uh, you shouldn't have to be convinced. You should just know the person. You should know, like, if the guy comes to you and says, "Hey, let's let's try this move. Think about maybe we could do this finish." Uh, right. Maybe it's not something you would conventionally do, but you're like, you know what? I trust you, so go ahead and do that spot. I think it'd be really cool. And you, you kind of have that. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, my um, my counterpoint to your point would be though, mm-hmm. is I agree with what you're saying, like. Guys seem to be more on the same page, like move wise and style wise. So you don't have guy like you don't have some guy you don't know saying, "Hey, can I do this super convoluted move that might kill you?" Mm-hmm. But I think to the counter of that, though, that I think you can generally trust the person you're working with to not like be trying to fuck you over in some way. Okay. By being, yeah, that's by being mm-hmm. aligned with like a different promotion or promoter or just being in it for themselves yeah that's certainly true because back in the day you could sometimes have that i mean the territories were stronger so sometimes you would have guys moving through and maybe they were working or had a more dedicated relationship so you kind of had to watch your back and and i believe shad um the one person you had an issue in a match with was someone from the bygone era that tried to pull some bullshit on you tried he wasn't very good at it well i'm just saying but well, that, but that's like the only time i've ever heard you say someone like tried to like do something like shady well, like that there was there was one other case and i i didn't know him okay. and from what i can gather he was okay just just to set the stage a little bit i've i've said it on the uh i've said it on episodes before that uh you know i've been in martial arts for 27 years now in one form or another so so in in uh, at least the 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 company i started out in the idea was you know hey you know he's cool but he's the guy in here you don't mess with you just wouldn't expect it because of how cool it is with everything okay fair enough that's 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 very kind of you to say well then this he came down from west virginia i only ever saw him the once and he decided that he he was gonna show everybody what a what a bad dude he was, and started trying to like hammer me in the ribs. Um, and I was I told him I was like ease up, and he said or what? And it's like okay, all right, I see where this is going. So basically, I just grabbed him by the hair and I punched him right in the jaw underneath the ear, because that's a real easy way to uh, dislocate your jaw. And he hit the mat, and we finished the match, and I never saw him again. But the other example that Brad had, yeah, he was definitely a bygone era guy who abused, you know, he definitely abused the trust I was going to put in him. Um, to answer Matt's original point, the um, <clears throat> I'm talking kind of in general, right? Like, you, you made the point about WWE versus other places now. Um, and I yeah, would... I would I, I would, 
Yeah, not to cut you off, but I would imagine like WWE, it's like obviously you're going to trust those guys. You're probably friends with those guys. And even if you're not, you like, you know that if some guy takes liberties with you or, or something, or if they're just, they do a move wrong, it's going to be something. Right. Like, well, so like, gonna, mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, for example, <clears throat> with what happened with draws, everyone oh, yeah. was really broken up. D'Lo Brown was spiraled into an awful depression out of it. Everybody was real supportive of both of them because it was an accident and stuff happens, I, right? I would honestly say it took D'Lo five-ish years to recover as a worker from that. I, I don't have a good time frame on it, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. It wasn't until he left and went to like TNA and like All Japan that he really bounced Kinda got back. It, got it back. Yeah. <clears throat> the other side to it is, though, that in the old style, if you had someone who just came in and decided to take liberties, they had to watch over their shoulder. Because if they came into your home area and did that, there are going to be people who are going to be pissed about it. And so you have this, there was more, there was, there was, as a whole, I feel like there was more trust built in because it's like, you don't really want to be that guy, you know? Um, I mean, Brody ran into issues with promoters, but his, that, his big thing was screwing with promoters. It wasn't like just randomly stiffing the living piss out of the guy he was working with. Well, there was that Usually. Usually. The, but even in the Luger match, he didn't just like stiff on Luger. He just kind of quit selling. Yeah. Um, so that that was a little bit different. <clears throat> um, you know, it, the the thing I could say about WWE stuff is, you know, I hate to do this, especially with someone who just got injured, but uh, Naya, right? Um, I, I find I would I would have some issues. Uh, to issues with trusting Naya if, uh, you know, given what all has happened with her, if I was in the ring with her. But that's what one example out of, out of, you know, a whole company's worth, right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I was coming from on it to, to follow your point up is <clears throat> since the styles were a little more similar across the board in that time, you know, it, to Matt's example, the, the flying Canadian destroyer through the flaming table thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, no, that's <clears throat> like, I was able to talk Alex into doing an iconoclasm in a match, which wasn't a huge spot, but he and I had been working together for years at that point. <clears throat> so, you know, for what it's worth, but that, that's where I was coming from. It's just, I, that's that's something I run into is I think about this stuff and I'm trying to think about like as much as I know about the business in the states as a whole and I probably have some gaps but that's that's what I'm trying to take into account with as much of this as I can. Uh, you're just making me think of the P.D. Williams Scott Steiner story right now. <laughs> have you heard that one? Uh, please be more specific. So, because I've heard, I've heard several. This is on Colt's podcast, and he's like, "What do you want to do for the finish, Scott?" And he's like, "Steiner, Steiner, screwdriver." He's like, "Oh, fuck you, Scott! You haven't done that for years." He's like, you saying I can't do it? He's like, "Pick something else." Like, fine, uh, Canadian destroyer. Like, you pin me. Is pretty much the story. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, if, if if I was working a match with the Steiners, and like, yeah, let's do the Steiner screwdriver, I'd be like, look, I'll do respect, but that scares the crap out of me. Can we do something else? So then, so. Um, so my so my next point, I think, where I really think old wrestling is better is if you watch the old TV, like the promos and like angles are so much more like succinct, like. If you watch, like, old WWE TV and, like, some of those really, like, memorable segments, like Piper hitting um, Snooko with the the coconut and stuff, like, those segments are only, like, maybe three to five minutes long. Like, the TV, like, on the old shows is really punchy. Like, they they move you right on to the next thing. I feel... So, my comment to that, I would agree with you. Um, my comment to that is, and I actually want to make a point actually to your first point that I should have like 10 minutes ago, but I didn't. Um, I think this is where like the modern product is kind of hurt by having so much TV and content. Because back in the day, if you had like two hours of prime time, like you just, you could do the angles, the main angles, uh, and maybe like some jobber matches thrown in there, like five minute jobber matches. And you could kind of move through it really quickly, but now they have, if you look at just WWE, you have, okay, include 205 Live, include NXT. Even if you want to include NXT like UK, that's, what, seven? At least seven hours? Actually, Raw is three hours, so that's... uh, I think it's seven hours if you include NXT. Oh, wait, no. Well, if if you include... Is UK UK is like is UK a weekly show? Yeah, sorry. So it's nine hours because I was forgetting main event yeah. is still a thing. Uh, well, I'm not. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, nine hours. Because so even you nine, even you nine hours. Go ahead. I was gonna say even WCW at its worst, I think, was six hours. I think that's right. So there, you have like nine hours of content every week. Um, so you're just trying to like cram all the stuff in there and i think that's also where it's like yeah guys were better protected uh back in the day but you also you would see the main guys and then some of the guys that are kind of on up and comers or what have you but now there's just so much television like every guy a bunch of people are out there and they're just doing stuff and they're killing time and segments and it just it's bad and then to go towards like the protected thing. It's like the, one thing I do hate that the WWE does all the time. It's they they need to get rid of like the 50-50 booking crap. Like it just it lessens a person. Like if you're trying to push a guy like why like they've done this they they done it with like with Finn Balor, like the Finn Balor um God, why can't I remember his Bobby name? Lashley. Like Bobby Lashley, yeah. I had like a momentary laughs there Bobby Lashley like that feud it's like okay Finn wins the title oh now he's losing it again like the next night oh now he's won it again it's like you don't need to do that if you're going to push Finn as like the the champ just have him beat Bobby Lashley and if you have to have another match then have Bobby Lashley lose that match so then there you go you clearly established that Finn is the guy who's coming out ahead of this and if you want to build up Bobby Lashley it's like fine just build him up by having him beat up some other uh, face who's well positioned on the card and you can build them up again but they they did this like back and forth thing because they they have to draw things out for like three four months with the same matchup with like very little like 
kind of new things or new elements thrown in there and it just gets bored and tired. So, I mean, back in the day, they could get away with dragging feuds out four, five, six matches, uh, sorry, months. Uh, but they also had less content, like TV content. Yeah, I was going to say, they weren't on TV every week. Yeah. <clears throat> and and having a, uh, you know, and, and having to keep treading the same ground over and over again. Well, I mean, it was usually, they didn't interact a lot, though. Like, it was usually just promos on each other. But, like, the problem is, like, WWE, they might interact, like, two or three times on a show. Yeah, that's also... And 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 then they wonder why people get bored, because they're seeing the same folks over and over again. And, well, yeah, that's that's boring. Um, but even on old TV, though, really, like, a lot of those feuds, like, they change it up pretty regularly. Like, I mean, from month to month, like, feuds change. Like, I feel like you don't... Even with the old stuff, like, you don't get bogged down like you do today. The the other thing I was going to say, <clears throat> and I know other people have mentioned this before, but the uh, we, you mentioned the promos. Folks are not, you know, back then, they didn't script promos. If you couldn't cut a promo, you just sank. Like you went out there and died, that, yeah. And look, that I know you you you're investing in people, and you you want them to do well and stuff like that. But on the other hand, you know, sooner or later, you're gonna have to uh, you know you're gonna have to decide is this is this person gonna be able to carry it or not, and um, sometimes they couldn't. And then if they could, or if they had a mouthpiece, <clears throat> then they'd be all right. You know, that, that needs to happen. <clears throat> you, need to, you need to let that go instead of scripting out every little thing. Because there's not a lot of people who either have the creative freedom that John Cena and Bray Wyatt do, or have the skill like Samoa Joe does to take whatever they give him and turn it into gold. I. This is a smaller note, but to go with this, I, I really miss those rowdy, like, Techwood and um, center stage crowds for WCW Saturday Night and World Championship Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Because <clears throat> they, were, they were engaged the whole time. Yeah. So that's a, that, yeah, that's a good point, too. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw mine in the ring, and I'm going to start off with one that might... Um, oh, this might be slightly controversial, but let me go ahead and explain it. I feel like in the older stuff, overall, top to bottom of the card, you had better storytelling because it was more easily understood from beginning to end. Um, for example, because so many guys grow up now watching... <clears throat> the, uh, you know, watching stuff happen on TV, they grow up with this impression in their head that they have to, um, that they have to, uh, you know, play to the cameras, right? As opposed to, for example, having Jerry Lawler, who, as it said, you could tell what the expression on his face was looking at the back of his head from sitting in the nosebleeds. And that's really 
engaging. That's really, you know, that, that really draws people in. And if you can tell a story like that, <clears throat> then you have this very interest, you know, you can have this kind of storytelling that reaches out to everyone and engages everyone, even if the story is not really complicated. I'm going to stop there. Okay, I, I'm not responding right away because so I'm really mulling that over in my brain because I see that I see points for your argument and points against your argument for storytelling. I think I think the WWE is pretty bad for it in, in mm-hmm. general. But like if you go to places like New Japan, like the storytelling up and down the card is really good and I think like um there's spots on the indies where there's some really good storytelling going on so Mm -hmm. like it's it's a mixed bag today so i think like i think i agree with your 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 idea to a point but i think there are spots like today where it's really good matt you sounded like you were going to say something no i would agree with that uh new japan does it very well um i agree like there are certain indies like i feel uh i don't know if they're the best example but i feel like not that I do storylines so much per se, but like I feel PWG books things fairly well, um, and they can have kind of small storylines. It's, it's they're very simplistic, where it's just more like certain people are competing with each other for the title or for dominance. But uh, I feel it's very consistent. So oh, Chikara, Chikara is a great modern example. Of oh, you know what? That exactly that that is a great example because they have and in their storylines sometimes are just goofy yeah uh but sometimes they're actually and there's at least even if they don't you can definitely tell that they put a lot of thought into the storyline so it, it, you do appreciate that at least <clears throat> bear in mind what i said is i was talking about what i knew in the states because um Puro is still it. It's something I don't have a lot of experience with. It, so I'm I'm doing an average across everything in the states that I'm familiar with. If that makes sense. It's very. It's more Americanized now, so it looks a lot more like American wrestling than it did like even ten years ago. I figure. I watched uh, just last night. I saw someone post a link. It was to. Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance at Wrestle Kingdom 8 that involved like four pole dancers and then uh, another modern dancer or whatever um, that, you know, as as all part of his entrance. And I'm like, wow, I, I would not have expected to see that on a on on a Japanese wrestling show. But there you go. Uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. That's all right. I think um, we talked about it on this show, but I think I think a great example of storytelling in New Japan was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom this year. Mm-hmm. But I think I think going back in time, like I think like the Flair Steamboat series had like good storytelling throughout, like Flair Funk. We we've. We've talked about it off air a lot lately, but like the Funk Lawler um, empty arena match is like a really great like storytelling adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Cause, yeah, because that <laughs> match in particular was there, it's not much of a match. Um, it's not much of a match, no, but it's still very engaging. But yeah, it's almost pure storyline, and it's fantastic. Yeah. So it, I, I just I, I feel like <clears throat> that with a lot of a lot of stuff that you see broadcast today, like you see, you said what? There's nine hours a week of, of WWE content, barring big pay per view shows. That's you're seeing a lot more of that, and people are growing up seeing that. And then whenever these people want to start getting in the ring, that's how they're behaving. So they're kind of losing that that basic. Um, they're they're losing some of that basic aspect, right? Yeah. So, okay. So Shad, why don't we why don't you hit us with your next point? The next point I have is that I feel like that in old wrestling, they were way better at doing more with less. Why is this? Why is this a good thing? Well. For one, in my last, you know, for example, in my last run, I had several matches that went very short amounts of time because I had, you know, we had a certain thing we were trying to accomplish with it. We got the crowd invested. And then what I was trying to do is piss them off. So once we got them invested, once we got them cheering, I would do something to end it. And then go home because it was not that I wanted to have a long drawn out heat on a in the finish. I wanted the crowd really pissed. And what I discovered is that I could do honestly better at that in a five minute match than I could in, um, you know, in if I were to draw it out more. And so I don't have, you know, I've said before, I like Ricochet. I'm going to cheer for him. But. You don't have to do all the stuff that he does in a match, or you didn't have to do all the stuff he did in a match. It it could have, you know, in, in the older stuff, it was going to be, um, you know, you, you can do some basic stuff and work the crowd really well. And that what that does is that extends the career of your performers. And then whenever you do something crazy or special, that's really cool for your audience to see. And if you bust out one crazy or special thing in a match, <coughs> then they may watch next match to see if you do either that again or you do something else different. <clears throat> and so they're invested. And I don't have to do like a bunch of stuff, right? So doing more with less, it... it that is that is something that um, that I am a fan of. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's um, like CWF Mid Atlantic uh, promotions like that that has a more subdued style. Like I still enjoy that a lot. <laughs> um, go back and pull some of the uh, go back and pull some of the old. Um, the this the flare steamboat matches what um you know what did they do in that in that there was a lot 
in that match that was moving around the ring, wrestling for a hold, and then some chops. And you move around the ring, you wrestle for a hold, and then there's some chops. They didn't spend 30 minutes. Don't get me wrong. I like athletic flippy stuff, but they didn't spend 30 minutes doing athletic flippy stuff. And the crowd was rabid for it, right? You know, though, I mean, going back to that, though, Harley was kind of a spot monkey in his day, though. How many I, did did Harley pull all the big spots, uh, you know, every match? Uh, not every match, but they could all come out in a match. And he might fly through a table in the process, too. Okay, he could, but it didn't happen real often. No, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, you had some, and even like the Midnight Express, like, there were... You'd run into, like, stretches on TBS where they would just find a new way to destroy a poor jobber every week. Yeah. But, no, I agree with yeah. you. Like, I, it's overkill sometimes. Like, um, sometimes I think, like, I sometimes I think it's acceptable, like, if the point of the match is, like, the excess of it, which, like, the Bucks do in PWG sometimes. But I think yeah, they've done they've had matches in Ring of Honor and PWG where it's basically how many super kicks can we throw into this match, yeah. and that yeah. has its how many do- yeah how many dozens of super kicks yeah. yeah, and it does it does have its place. Uh, here's something that I just right off the bat I I mean I agree with that I I mean I was raised with WCW like that's that was like my kind of go to and WCW at least until like <coughs> you got later on right before they closed where it got kind of crazy but. The whole like NWA style and everything was was almost like less is more, but to go like just to right now modern example, it's like how much overbooked overbooked crap do they throw into the Becky Ronda Charlotte oh, God, feud? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like you you really have the most simple simplest of things like Becky wanted the title, she had the title, then she lost the title, but she then won the Rumble, so she wanted to go for she wanted to get the title off Ronda. And then it's like a competition, like who's best, Ronda or Becky? And then you you had to throw Charlotte in there. Like, okay, well, Charlotte's hyped as like, you know, she's the daughter of Ric Flair. She <laughs> believes that she's the best in the entire company, if not the world. So it's like, okay, like it's so simple. It's like you have three people who all are competing to be the best. Like they want to be the queen of the WWE. They want to be the man. They want to be like the champion. And then it's like all this overbooked crap. Oh, Becky has an injury. Oh, actually, she has like 20 injuries. Oh, and she doesn't have the title, but now Charlotte has the title. Oh, everyone's, it's all for all titles. It's like, it just, why did you have to make it so complicated? <laughs> and what, I, I, there's no good answer for it. I mean, even people who have tried to like make apologies for it, it's like, there really isn't any, any good apologies where it's like, sometimes you just need to keep the, the storyline simple. Like, Sometimes that's all you need, and sometimes that's what works. But they, yeah. the, the apology the for apolo- that was really unconvincing because a lot of it was, well, they had to do something like, did you watch the build-up for Hulk versus Andre? Like, it was pretty simple. Yeah, I actually, it's funny you say that because I actually saw a clip. I was watching a clip of that randomly not that long ago, and it really was like Hogan was on Piper's Pit, and Andre just comes up there with Bobby Heenan. And Hogan just freaks out. He's like, what are you doing with him? Like, what's up with that? Like, wh- why are you with him? And Heenan just goes into, you know, Hogan, you're a coward. 
because you never gave this man a championship and he wants the title match. Yep. You can always war. And that, that was it. That was like the beginning of it. Where And there you go. It was so simple. Like Andre felt that Hogan was like afraid of him and he's a chump. And Hogan was incensed at this loss of a friendship, betrayal. And there you go. It's like, it's, it's so simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't need to be, which by the way, if you guys ever want to go look at that, that's actually, it has some really like Piper was really understated in that, but was really kind of sold it because when Andre like ripped off his shirt, I guess maybe he, he scraped Hogan. So Hogan has like this small little scrape on his chest and Piper's like, you're bleeding, you're bleeding. But he yeah. says it in like this really like solemn tone, like because he understands the gravity of what just happened. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Like Piper actually kind of makes that whole segment, but it's so simple. Like you just had two people who now now they have a beef with each other, and it, it happened in this like five minutes. How hard was it for this beef to happen? It wasn't hard. Nope. Andre Heenan gets in Andre's ear and tells Andre Hogan never gave you a shot. You want a shot, right? You could be champ. Andre's like, yeah, I could. Why that bastard? I'm gonna go confront him. Or, or the, I'm going. I'm going to shill the episode, the dark match my wife and I did together. But mm-hmm. she talks about Savage turning on Hogan, and mm-hmm. the whole like Miss Elizabeth injury angle, and how her father was pro Savage and her mom was pro Hogan. And like, really, like that angle was just. It was simple as can be. Like Hogan comes out and carries her to the back, and then Savage turns on him in the back. And yeah. You know, the jealous eyes, Hogan. Yeah, the jealous eyes. And, you, got, you got lust in your eyes, Hogan. Right. Yeah. And like how even decades later, people still talk about who was right in that situation. Like, no one's I, we gonna, actually. Go ahead. Sorry. No I'm one's going to talk about the Ronda Becky thing ten years from now. No. We actually were talking about the Hogan Savage angle with with Alex Ang- Angel. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think it was brought up like as you grow older, the more you kind of begin to sympathize with Macho. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. I get it. It's it's a um, a lot of of what happens if you want to get people invested in a feud is it needs to be something they can identify with. If you're if your build is too complicated, people quit caring. You can look at all kinds of movies like movies like that. <clears throat> you know, we're throwing all this. To, I think people are still confused about what happened in the first Mission Impossible movie, right? I don't think anyone's quite got it figured nope. <laughs> figured out. Um, so you know what has kept those going is is Tom Cruise is willing to possibly die, but can I? Can I give an, an actual a good modern example, in my opinion? Yes. Of them doing it, it was pretty simple, and I mean they they kind of had a couple matches that were the this the scope of the matches was kind of overbooked, but the Gargano Champa feud. You had two guys who started off they were as a tag team, they became champions. They lost them. Uh, Champa gets injured uh, when he's finally able to come back. Boom, turns on, Gar- on Gargano. And his rationale was, you know, like, I was injured and none of you cared. You just latched on to him. 
but mm-hmm. you should have like cared about me and you know he betrayed me too by not giving a, a crap that I was injured uh and then there you go like he he let he kind of let his own bitterness uh you know twist his heart and then mm-hmm. he gets into the feud with Gargana because of course it's simple it's like Gargana it's like you betrayed me like you were my best friend you betrayed me so they're they're bitterly feuding because there is no like greater anger or like like blood feud you can have than two people who were basically like brothers who now that brotherhood is is broken and yeah. so they feuded bitterly and they had they had obviously some overbooked matches because it was like you know no yeah, DQ it, matches it became or, a, it became a thing of diminishing returns but the, it did but the the the, the feud still worked they've kind of flipped it where if you still worked and I, I don't think they're gonna go who even knows if Chompa can return but they were even even able to bring Champa back that's like you have sympathy for him because he's injured again like potentially his career is over and they got all that heat back even on Gargano like the moment where where Champa came out uh, at this last NXT takeover when Gargano won they had that emotional reunion it was extraordinarily powerful because it, again it's the brotherhood like now back together again they're brothers again like they love each other they they're celebrating in the achievement that Gargano had even though they were bitterly fighting so it's like that is as simple and as old as time like it's Cain and Abel yeah yeah and and they did that correctly because you know I well in part because it's NXT so there's less <laughs> fingers in the pie <laughs> I'll, th- I'll throw a secondary example out there um uh-huh. Okada and Omega yeah there you go two men who intense rivals of each other one man wanting what the other had and yeah their stalemate like their stalemate in the ring finally and him finally like ascending to the top and getting his moment right and you brought up uh omega and tanahashi uh that was also simple where omega had the championship um tanahashi was challenging for it omega had the attitude it's like you know tanahashi you're you're a man of the past i'm the future like you want to be the ace of the company, you're not. It's it's passed on to me. I'm the best. Simple, very simple. Yeah. And they had a, they had a great match, and throughout the match, they were able to convey that. Like Omega, uh, was almost like disrespecting Tanahashi, but then didn't. He wanted to beat him in the ring, and that actually worked against him because Tanahashi was able to to defeat him and, and regain the championship that he had had you know years prior. But that's simple. Yeah. And it works. All right. So it sounds like I had a good one there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. The next point I have um, is the fact that, and and I'm going to, um, it, it, it kind of goes, because you guys mentioned, we, we kind of mentioned some gimmick matches in there. <clears throat> but the thing that I think old wrestling did better is that they used the gimmick matches better. So, when I'm saying this, the match, you know, uh, let's say, you know, two guys are going to be having a uh, pick a gimmick match, right? Whatever whatever comes to mind for you. Um, I don't know, somebody, somebody throw one out. Matt, oh, pick, you, pick, pick you, a gimmick match? Yeah, just pick a gimmick match. Uh, let's do like First Blood. Okay. 
<clears throat> so first blood match. Mm-hmm. We're going to have this first blood match. Let's say it's you and me are going to have this first blood match. And the reason we're, we're going to have this first blood match and we're going to tie it in, right? Because mm-hmm. we're going to say we're going to have this first blood match because, Matt, you and I, we're getting ready to go to the top of the mountain. You and I, we're going to win the tag titles. And you decided that your own success was more than what you and I had built together. It's more <clears throat> than what we could have accomplished. And you decide that you had to have it all for yourself. You created bad blood mixing. So you and me, we're going to settle this. And I'm going to get that bad blood out of you. And, you know, so it you tie it in, mm-hmm. right? You tie it in with the build. And then when you get to the batch, <clears throat> and this is <clears throat> like a, a, a first blood match, kind of can't work any other way than this. But you ha- you build to the gimmick, right? Yeah. So instead of, <clears throat> like for example, um, like a, a first blood match ends when there's blood, so that has to be at the end. But let's I'm going to go with a weird one here: a coal miner's glove match, which is a big heavy glove that's got the reinforcing on the back of the hand and the knuckles and stuff. <clears throat> so what what's the what is it? It's basically a big gauntlet you can sock somebody with. And so what happens is over the course of the match, they tease the glove over and over again. And they tease it, and they say, you know, the first guy's trying to go for it. And so the first story of the match is the question of who can get to it first. The next story of the match is once it's brought down, who's actually going to get to use it first? Mm -hmm. And so you build this suspense up to the point, as opposed to... (coughs) Sorry. Cornette impression on point Um, as opposed to someone grabs it real early on and then you spend the rest of the match with these two guys trading it back and forth just hammering on each other with it and they were it it used to be that the idea was that we're going to if this is is going to be as opposed to it just becomes another tool for us to have a match with. Um, the, the the original barbed wire matches were that way. When they put the barbed wire between the ropes, is it wasn't so you could just throw somebody in a barbed wire back and forth. It's so you could tease it. And you go to whip somebody into it, and he like does a drop down and slides underneath so he doesn't hit it. Same kind of thing. Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry I cut you off. Yeah, and I've seen like old school <laughs> matches like that where it's like they will tease it. They'll tease it so much. And the drama just keeps building and building and building, uh, and that I feel like that is a, a a problem that you see in the modern product, especially like with WWE. It's like again, because they'll have two guys feud with each other, and it's like, well, they're going to be feud. We've penciled in that these two guys are going to feud with, with each other for like the next four months. So to keep it fresh, they'll just throw them in like a gimmick match by like I don't know the third month or something, and it's like. It won't even be the blow off of the feud. It's just because, like, well, we've already done like enough matches with them. Like, we got to freshen it up. We got to keep it interesting. So, right, we'll have, a, we'll have them in a ladder match. It's like, why? Yeah. It's like, course. what's the point of it? It's like, it, it should. The matches should build to something, and that's something why. I, I mean, my favorite, my favorite gimmick match of all time, will still be War Games, but. Generally, war games. There was like a point to it. It's like you you have war games because you have two like factions, 
who are just they cannot resolve it without being put in a cage and just brutalizing each other. Uh, and, and that's until you get all of them in there too. Yeah. Um, but even if you don't do war games like the first blood match, like or a cage match back in the day, like I mean, old school like WWF before it was WWE. Yeah. Like and even even like with NWA, it's like you put them in a cage. It's like okay, they, they these two guys like. They've been fighting each other. Maybe the heels been running away. The heels not got his comeuppance. It's like okay, we'll throw them in. We'll throw them in a cage, and that way the heel can't escape. Or maybe if they have like the open top, like they're trying to escape. So it's the drama of like the the baby face keeping them in the ring to kick the shit out of them. Yeah. So, but you have them contained, and they can just finally settle the feud once and for all. But yeah, it's like what you said. Like it's all about building towards that. It's building towards somebody getting their comeuppance like the 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 resolution of the match it's not just like yeah here's a gimmick match enjoy yeah 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 so so that's that's what um that that's that's one of my things brad did you have anything you wanted to chip in on it um when you guys were talking about this and like the endless feuds now uh the fact that even into the late 80s like Big shows were more of like a quarterly thing, so you got some breathing room between big shows. Was nice. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I was gonna say, the best hallmark in recent uh, recent history I can think of, anyway, <clears throat> is you look back to the infamous Hogan Flair strap match. In, in Louisville, Kentucky. No, no, that was a cage match. Never mind. Sorry, wrong one. But the Yappa Pie strap match, <clears throat> the whole thing, Hogan built on how how vicious it was, right? The problem is that once the match started, they just started, you know, wailing on each other with the thing. <clears throat> so instead of um, instead of building on the gimmick, like even if you had a, a, a I don't know a dog collar match or a Russian chain match, <clears throat> in doing those, you still had build to it, but it had to come into the the style of those had to come into play earlier on, right? Because you couldn't get too far apart. So, but for the most part, with a gimmick, you you know you you have a tape fist match, then you tease hitting somebody with a tape fist. Um, you know you. <sighs> And I, I can't help. So, yeah, that's unfortunate. I also um, miss the I miss the like and Matt, Matt will Matt will agree with this because he watched some world class recently. But I miss those those companies doing their like weekly TV show out of some little shithole building with like the super hot crowd that's there every week and seeing like the same fans like sitting in the same seat like week after week after week. Oh, you see that you see the regulars come back? Yeah. And Matt will know what I'm talking <laughs> about because we watched some world class a couple years ago. Like there was yeah. there was that Hispanic gentleman with his beer and like trucker hat there like every (laughs) week same seat like week after week and like you're just like and after a while you know you're watching like i wonder who that guy is like what's his name Mm -hmm. or like that old lady and 
they she got an award in Smoky Mountain, but like if they were anywhere in like around Knoxville, like she was in like front row every time. Just I miss that. I miss like seeing like that same fan in that same town like every week. Dude, those regulars are gold. Those regular guys that that uh, the reg- the the returning fans, those are the ones that you can build out from because they are they are invested, and they're the ones more likely to get you know wound up. <coughs> okay, sorry. Anyway, anything else you guys wanted to throw in? No, because there's things. So what I realized while we were talking about this is um. A lot of my bitches about modern wrestling were really complaints about, like, the late 2000s, the early part of this decade. And really, like, my complaints have subsided a lot in the last, I would say, four years with, like, how the indie scene has been going. Okay. And with how, like, streaming has really, like, changed how I watch wrestling. Like, it's become so much easier to... Cher- and we'll talk about this next week, but it's so much easier just to cherry pick the content you actually want for like a really affordable price that you don't have to watch WWE. There's there's literally probably thirty promotions you could lo- you could check out with a, a less than ten dollar a month streaming option and find one that gives you pretty much everything you want. So a lot of my complaints about modern wrestling aren't as true today as they were like a couple years ago. Hmm. That's a good point. <clears throat> okay. So here's my, my last big point. <clears throat> Is that we, in, in uh, old wrestling, you had more, the moves themselves that you saw were more protected. Since you didn't need to see a hundred crazy things in a match, <clears throat> that meant the moves themselves were more protected on a regular basis. Um, Jake Roberts DDT, for example, that was special. And when someone else used it, it was special. It, Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson. And now, <clears throat> I mean, they, they've the, the trope of WrestleMania is a 50% nerf to finisher effectiveness is there for a reason, right? Like there's no question about that. That's, you know, that, that's, that's got too much truth in it. Um, so guy, you know, what do you guys think? Yeah. I actually listened to an old, um, Steve Austin podcast recently. Mm hmm. Um, with Jake and Jake kind of made that point. He was kind of complaining about modern wrestling. Um, and this podcast was from probably like two, three years ago, Mm -hmm. at least three years ago, probably. Um, and he was kind of making that point. And I think he does have a, it's a valid point in that. I think, I think certain moves are still protected. There are finishers that are kind of protected. Um, Although I think a lot of the major companies still run into, with the big matches. And I don't know when this started. Maybe like Attitude Area it might have started. But for at least for big matches, you did kind of run. In, you, and you still have this today, this this issue where it's like, okay, well, because it's a big match, um, we're each going to eat like four of our finishers. 
and then it'll finally be it. Um, and even I love I love like Japanese wrestling, but Japanese wrestling is not immune to that either. Like you'll have for like a big match, you'll have Okada like hit a like two three rainmakers before he'll put like Omega away or something. But um, I can kind of see that if I can kind of like give that a pass. But certainly for it, but for a time you're seeing people just do crazy shit as like transition moves. It's like Jake used to f- kill people with the DDT. And for a while, mm-hmm. everyone was using DDT. as like a transition move or yeah. let me, let me do a power bomb. But that's not, the, that's not a finisher. That's just a transition move for me to set you up to do something else. It's like, no, right. I think certain moves should be protected and you know, you should, you should sell a little more. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. The, <clears throat> when I used a DDT in my matches, it was either as my finish. <coughs> sorry. I, I'm sorry, everybody listening at home have listened to me cough as much as I have. But the other thing is, it was a also a big momentum shift in my match, right? Because let's be honest. <clears throat> You're being grabbed by the head and your head's being driven into the mat with your and the other guy's body weight. It should have some effect. <clears throat> but in you know, instead of uh instead of that, like you said, people just just kind of used it all the time. Cause it's easy to do and you can do it to anybody. And um that that's it's <clears throat> I absolutely think you're right. I prefer the trope as opposed to it's like we're doing <clears throat> you know we'll do my finish and I'll kick out and you do your finish and I'll kick out and I'll do my finish and you'll kick out and you'll, you'll do your finish and I'll kick it I'd prefer to have guys escape or counter it uh, to show this is high stakes and therefore we uh, this is this is high stakes so we've scouted each other or I'm getting loose because I know what's going to happen. That's one thing I miss about All Japan, though, is the super f- mega finisher that you whip out when your regular finisher isn't enough. That's like, okay, like my usual stuff doesn't work. That's why I'm going for the Tiger Driver 91, and that'll put you away. And that made sense for their for their company, right? That was a thing for their company. But I'm in this, just in general, overall... I don't like people's getting their finishers diminished. I, um, I, um, I agree with you. And I also think that there's a severe lack of like, remember when guys used to go for their finisher early in the match and they couldn't get it because the guy wasn't worn down enough. Like, I don't see enough of that anymore either. Sure. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. Matt, did uh, you have anything else you wanted to uh, add in? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, that was the last the last point I had on on the old versus new counterpoints. So, um, Brad, did you have anything else? Either of you have anything else you wanted to add in? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, <clears throat> that was our our. Old versus new on the old side. 
the uh, what did the old do better? Let us know if you guys agree with us or not. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, hit us up and, and let us know your opinion. Do you think that we're we're right? Do you think we're off base? Um, let us know what. Uh, let us know where you fall on it, and then next episode we're going to flip it around. And we're going to talk about what the new stuff does better. So, with that being said, this is uh, Shad with uh, Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. We'll see you next time.